Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Once upon a time, 60 years ago, a little girl lived in the big woods of Wisconsin. The great dark trees of the big woods stood all around the house. And beyond them were other trees, and beyond them were more trees, as far as a man could go to the north in a day, or a week, or a whole month. There was nothing but woods. That's the introduction to Little House in the Big Woods. If you've heard of Little House on the Prairie, this is the first book in that series. My wife read these books growing up, and now that we have young children that we read to every night, she decided to order the books so that we could read them together. Now, I've never read Little House on the Prairie, never seen the show. This was totally new to me, but I've fallen completely in love with it. The story is told so simply of a little girl and her family living off the land in the deep woods of Wisconsin. It's a kind of life that is back to basic, much further beyond what me and my homestead have achieved in our last few years here. Every animal that they eat has been raised and killed by Pa, but it goes even beyond that. The goods, the clothing, have all been traded for skins of the animals that Pa has trapped. The toys that the kids play with are basic, simple. There's corn husk dolls. To read this book, it's very mesmerizing to gaze back in time at life like this through the eyes of a little girl living with her family all alone in the big woods. I can relate to a lot of the sentiments and the experiences in this book, raising pigs for your family to eat later, going into the woods and hunting for big game to put meat on the table. But there are still some aspects to the book that stand out as so different from our modern day. And I wanted to share one of them with you before we dived into the story today. Early on in the book, Laura talks of a time when she woke up in the middle of the night and heard a pig squealing. Pa jumps out of bed and snatches his gun from the wall and runs outside. Laura listens, and she hears the gun go off once, twice. I'm going to pick up reading from the book here. When Pa came back, he told what had happened. He had seen a big black bear standing beside the pig pen. The bear was reaching into the pen to grab the pig, and the pig was running and squealing. Pa saw this in the starlight, and he fired quickly. But the light was dim, and in his haste he missed the bear. The bear ran away into the woods, not hurt at all. Laura was very sorry Pa did not get the bear. She liked bear meat so much, Pa was sorry too, but he said, anyway, I saved the bacon. I've had this experience. I've literally had a black bear in my pig pen, but I didn't go running outside with a gun. In fact, I kind of jumped in my minivan and 
put it in reverse real fast. As we all go down this path of homesteading, trying to get back to the land one small step at a time, we realize more and more how far we have come from our forefathers, men who took their families into the forest and survived, where every time they walked outside, they had a gun in their hand, not because they liked hunting, but because they had to protect their family from wild animals, and they had to feed their family lest they not starve. And it's in that world that we find a little girl, the age of four, who's sad that her dad didn't shoot a bear because she loves bear meat. And the only way to get that delicious meat is to have shot a black bear that was outside harming one of your pigs. I wanted to reconnect you to that life as we dive in today's story, a story of a woman learning to hunt in the deep woods of Northern Maine going through experiences that are kind of spooky, kind of scary, and trying to kill a large black bear, which no doubt would feed her family for a long time. I'm going to ask you to take a minute, put aside whatever feelings you have about hunting, and approach them in a new light in today's episode of Homesteady. For as long as there have been people, there have been stories. And wherever you find a campfire, you'll find people telling them. Every year we would take a camping trip as a family. We took that chance. We had that gamble. I got into a truck with a stranger. Either a bear or it's a serial killer. He moved his gun barrel over and pulled the trigger and... Ah, boy, to be like a bad thunderstorm. Stories, sharing laughter and... A marshmallow. You know, sharing... Roasting marshmallows. so good. That's why I love campfires. That's why I love campfires. <laughs> That's why I love campfires. You ready for a story? It's the Homesteady Campfire. In our modern time, it's hard to find someone living this little house lifestyle. But Robin, well, she's not too Boy, far I off. I haven't had so many interference problems. Yeah, well, <laughs> it must be those main boonies. Me and Robin sat down to try to record this story. And we had a lot of trouble because of how far in the wilderness she lives. Right. Most people probably don't live as remotely as I do. <laughs> Robin hasn't always lived in the middle of nowhere. Her and her husband Steve used to have a pretty fast-paced life in a big city in Maine. But one day Steve gets a phone call. A job offer deep in the boonies of Maine. With nothing holding them back, they decide to accept it and head off into the wilderness. Now it's true Robin was coming from a city... But this isn't one of those city girl gets thrown into the country stories. Robin came from a family who knew how to live off the land. My mother always had a garden. We had a smaller garden in the backyard and then a two-acre garden at my great-grandfather's house. And my father hunted and my brother learned to hunt birds, but hunting wasn't something that girls did. So when the sons were packing up to go to hunting camp the weekend after Thanksgiving. The girls always had to stay home. So Robin was never taught how to hunt, but she understood the process of getting food from the earth around you. She spent years as a market farmer, but that wasn't what led her to hunting. When Taylor was getting ready to graduate high school, I decided if 
ever there was a time to make a change, that was it. Steve got up one morning and I said, I, I think I want to do something different. And he's pretty laid back and said, whatever you want to do. So I gave up market farming and started uh, learning how to hunt and, and do a lot of things that I'd never done before. Robin decided she was now in a place in life where she could take some time and learn to hunt. Her husband already knew how to hunt, so obviously he'd be a good teacher, right? Steve took me one day and it was absolutely miserable. I didn't have a good time. I didn't have the appropriate clothes for the end of November in Maine and I was freezing cold. Oh man. <laughs> and, uh, and then I didn't hunt again for years. Now I don't want Steve to be thrown under the bus here. This can happen very easily. When somebody new wants to go and try out hunting, we don't consider that maybe we need to cater to their needs the first time, give them a good experience. We might be used to going out into the cold. We might have all the proper gear that fits us just right. We might not even notice the wind chill factor. But we need to make sure whether it's our wife, our kids, or a buddy, when we take people into the woods with us, the first time they go out, make it at least enjoyable. And we might have a partner for life. That bad experience scared Robin off, but only for a little while. There was something that was much scarier that brought her back to hunting. Learning more about the way meat is raised, we were already raising most of our meat to begin with, but I didn't think all that much about it until more and more people started getting sicker because of factory farmed meat and decided I had time and if I had time I might as well go do it myself rather than pay somebody to do it for me. And the first morning I thought we were hunting together. I was hunting with Steve, which turned out to be well before sunrise, him pointing me in the direction of a place where we'd set up a place for me to sit and saying, you're going to walk down there. I went in one direction and he went in the other. And uh, I, I was afraid of bumping into a moose or what was going to happen in the dark. There's no experience quite like walking into the woods early in the morning when it's pitch black. Your imagination gets carried away. Every little sound you hear is 10 times scarier than it would ever be in daylight. It took me a long time to get over those fears. We have bear, we have moose. Um, the most dangerous thing out there is my imagination in the dark. I've stumbled upon bears while walking through the woods. While moving in the dark, I've heard animals come in my direction. And it's really, honestly, it's terrifying. But you get used to this adrenaline rush, this excitement. It was a little intimidating, but I did it. And I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything for years. Uh, but as soon as I did, I, I did it the first day, I knew I was hooked. That was it. Once you get used to the feeling, of being scared in the woods, you never want to stop. Modern hunting is a highly regulated activity. Each state has its own Department of Natural Resources, which is in charge of setting regulations 
and limits on each particular animal being hunted. And it's based upon what the state biologists have learned about the animal herd in that state and that state's particular carrying capacity. The term carrying capacity describes the amount of that animal that can exist in that area while maintaining a very healthy herd. Think about it like your chicken coop, right? You have a chicken coop and it's built to hold 10 chickens. You could cram 20 chickens into that coop, but they're not gonna be very healthy. You could put one chicken in that coop, he's gonna get fat and lazy. The chicken coop is built for 10 chickens. That's the right amount of chickens to have. If you have 12, you should remove some chickens. If you only have two, you should add to it. Now when you have too many chickens in your chicken coop, it's not that big a deal, I'll be honest. When you have too many bears in your state, it can be a real problem. Human populations are ever growing and expanding, especially in the United States, which means we're always encroaching on the habitat of wild animals. With a growing human population bumping up against a growing bear population, you have more and more complaints of nuisance bears. And a nuisance bear is essentially a bear who's just being a bear. He just happens to be in a heavily populated area. And this is a real problem for the state of Maine. You see, Maine has the largest black bear population in the eastern United States, and one of the largest in the entire country. There's more than 30,000 bears in Maine, and over 500 nuisance bear complaints are filed every year. That means bears ripping into garbage, busting into people's chicken coops. If you've heard our latest episode about raising farm fresh eggs, you know what that's all about. Bothering people's pets. A growing number of nuisance bears could lead to a growing number of bear attacks. The more interaction with bears and humans that there is, the higher chance of problems. In 1999, state biologists in Maine got together with landowners, forest industry people, sportsmen, and environmentalists, and decided on a management objective throughout the year 2015. That objective was to stabilize the bear population, and they were going to do this mainly through hunting and trapping. Regulated hunting is the primary tool that achieves this goal. Each year, the state of Maine has the goal of harvesting three and a half to four and a half thousand bears annually. Since 2005, harvest numbers have declined because there are less and less hunters. When some people think about a hunter, they think of someone who loves the idea of killing animals, who's after only one thing, putting a big animal head on his wall to brag about. I picture Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. In fact, for a lot of us, our perception of hunters is heavily influenced by Disney. Everything from Bambi, Beauty and the Beast, Fox and the Hound. Hunters are portrayed early in our childhoods as very negative figures. Robin is a great example of the change in the scene of hunting. It's no longer just something that your uncle does. It's something that people who've never done try. Every day, more and more women and children become hunters. Guys like me who didn't grow up exposed to this lifestyle. And all of us are motivated because we want delicious, 
wild, healthy meat. When I was a kid, one of my father's um, hunting buddies shot a bear, and I liked the meat back then. Uh, occasionally a friend would get a bear and share a little bit of meat with us, and I've always liked it. So now Robin was on a quest of her own into the deep, dark woods of Maine to bring her own wild game to her family's table. But the dark woods of Maine would not make this an easy task. Wild meat from the big woods is meat well-earned. I was sitting in a tree stand one late one afternoon. Um, I was bear hunting, and I kept hearing an odd noise, and the odd noise kept getting closer. I eventually realized it was two bull moose that were fighting, and before it was over, they were fighting 100 feet behind me. Moose are taller than a horse. They're heavier than a bear, and they could run up to 35 miles per hour. And maybe you're thinking, Robin's out there hunting bears, right? Why is she worried about a couple moose? In Alaska, bull moose annually harm more people than black bear and grizzly bear combined. Here's the thing about this statistic. I couldn't figure out whether or not that included auto accidents, which obviously is going to be a factor. But bull moose can be very aggressive, especially when it's mating season, which is probably why these two were fighting in the first place. It got dark. It was time to go. I couldn't get out of the tree, and I had to call for help. They, en- they stopped fighting. The loser ended up underneath my tree stand. I had to speak to him after he calmed down and got him to leave, but the other moose was still behind me and I could still hear it and there was no way I was getting out of the tree. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. And then on another night, I was bear hunting again, and a sow with two cubs came in. And we don't shoot sows, we don't shoot cubs, so safety was on. I sat and I watched them, and she spotted me and came over and sat about 25 feet from the tree and watched me. Steve had to come and get me. We had to yell back and forth, keep the flashlight on her to make sure she was sitting still. And we figured out later that she must have been sick because... We never saw her again. We did see the cubs several times, but we never saw her again. They were alone. And they did survive the winter without her, but being up there and knowing something wasn't right with that bear was a little intimidating. When you said you don't shoot sow, is it against the law or is that just something you guys choose not to? It's an ethical decision. We can shoot them legally in Maine, but it's just not the right thing. The cubs have a better chance of making it through the winter if they've got their mother. I don't think we're unique with that at all. That's, it's, it's an unwritten rule. I don't know of any hunters that would choose to shoot a cell with cubs, and typically they don't come in separate. 
usually it's sometimes you even see the cubs before you see the sow. Waiting for the right animal is just part of what a responsible hunter does. Robin eventually got that chance, but the first time it happened, well, she wasn't exactly ready for it. I was unprepared for him. The big bear came in from behind the barrel, straight in front of me, and it was surreal. I wasn't expecting him. I didn't hear him. I had no idea he was there, and he had no idea I was there. And he walked to about 15 feet from the base of the tree I was sitting in, and if I'd moved, he would have seen me. I was excited. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, I could hear my I I could hear my heart pounding, and I was pretty sure the bear could probably hear it too. <laughs> uh, and it did happen fast. Uh, and I didn't I didn't even have the safety off because I didn't know he was coming in. Bringing the gun up, getting the safety off, and finding him without him seeing me from just 15 feet away couldn't have done it. So Robin had her first encounter in what many would consider a trophy bear. And unfortunately, things didn't go according to plan, and she didn't get a chance at taking that animal home. This happens with all our homesteading endeavors. We start a garden, we have big plans of canning delicious vegetables at the end of the season, and homemade salsas, and then we have a blight and our tomatoes all fail. Or we raise a bunch of chickens that we're going to get delicious farm-fresh eggs from. And a predator comes and kills them all. The hardest thing with homesteading is accepting the failures and remaining optimistic. Coming up with a plan and then pushing forward towards the same goal that you failed at once already. But that's exactly what Robin did. She failed once, but she came up with a new plan and got back to work. We had game cameras out. Steve had a site and I had a site. We studied the pictures on the game cameras daily. Uh, I knew what direction the bear I had chosen was coming in from. I knew when he left, which direction he left. I studied him, I studied all of the other bears on the camera and decided he was someone I was going to take. The average size bear shot in Maine is 125 pounds. I would have been happy with 125 pounds. That probably would have put maybe 50 or 60 pounds of meat in the freezer. The one I was watching was about 400 pounds. He was huge. That was the bear I wanted. I always referred to him as my bear. That's my bear. She'd been caught off guard once, but it wasn't going to happen again. She had a plan, and she was ready to go get her bear. Drive down a dirt road, walk in a trail, and then unload my stuff. From the moment I got out of the Jeep, my gun was loaded, because I know there are a lot of bears in that area. I know there are a lot of hungry bears. It was maybe a 300-yard walk in, and you're always very careful uh, because you don't know when you're going to startle a bear. It's a a little nerve-wracking to think that I'm in their territory. They know the area a lot better than I know it, and they're all much bigger than I am. 
Robin is going to encounter a bear. And things don't go according to plan. Find out what happens after this message break. This pretty creepy-sounding Homesteady Campfire episode was brought to you by our friends at Grow Journey, the Seed of the Month Club. Get organic seeds delivered to your door every month, seeds that are guaranteed to grow in your hardiness zone. Get that present every month in your mailbox by going to growjourney.com. And now it's time for the Grow Journey Gardening Tip of the Month. This month, Grow Journey is sharing top four problems that new seed growers face and how to make sure that your seeds are started healthy. We've already shared two of the four tips. Tip number three, when starting seeds, consider the extremes in temperature and moisture. Few seedlings appreciate cold and soggy or hot and dry soil. For most seeds, especially spring and summer varieties, you want to aim for around 68 to 75 Fahrenheit and moisture levels that feel like a well-wrung-out sponge. So never let your seed trays sit in standing water for longer than 10 minutes. Make sure that your seeds don't experience any of these extremes and they'll be starting off healthy and ready to grow to delicious vegetables. What's the other three tips for starting healthy seeds? Find out by going to growjourney.com Sign up for their newsletter. It's totally free. and You'll get great gardening advice in your mailbox every month. You can also get a free subscription to Grow Journey where you can get actual seeds in your actual mailbox every month. I'm a member of Grow Journey. I love getting my seeds in the mail and I can't wait. It's almost, at, we're almost through winter here. I can't wait to get started on my garden. Join me in the Grow Journey. Go to growjourney.com and become a member. Try it for free for 30 days. Black bears are referred to as the black ghosts of the woods because of the way these giant creatures can move so silently through the dark forest as if they were a ghost. 400, 500 pound boars can sneak up on you without you ever even knowing. Their feet are heavily padded and they're covered in a soft fur. So they can weave through the bushes, through the trees, without making a sound. A couple years back, I was walking through the woods with my dog and I got the feeling like I was being watched. You know how that feels? The hair in the back of your neck stands up. I was being watched by a big sow. She was up on the ridge, looking down at me, probably about 75 yards away. My dog didn't even see this bear. That's how silent these animals are. I whistled for my pup. We turned around and got out of the woods as fast as we could. Which, by the way, is not what experts say you should do when happening upon a black bear. Anyway, a little warning, this next bit, Robin's audio quality kind of drops out. It comes back pretty quick. So you're walking in, you get to your site, you're shooting from a tree stand? I sat on the ground. Really? Waiting for the 400-pound board to come in, Robin is sitting on the ground, hiding behind nothing but a thin sheet of camo-colored burlap. 
one. And I was so nervous then that I'm sure every bear within 10 miles knew I was there. There was no oh, sitting man. still. I kept looking all around me. I kept looking behind me. So she's sitting alone in the middle of the woods. And it's getting to the point where the sun is starting to set. It's getting darker. Almost 7 o'clock. And the end of legal time was just after 7.30. And nothing was showing up except a gray squirrel. And all of a sudden I heard crashing coming up from behind the barrel. And it wasn't in the direction that the big bear came in, but I knew it was him because he was so loud. It, it couldn't be any other bear because it made so much noise. And I, I wasn't nervous and I wasn't overly excited, or I thought I wasn't until my heart started pounding. I thought, this is ridiculous, I'm not afraid. And then my legs started to shake. What's wrong with me? I'm, I'm fine. I can do this. And I waited, came up over the bank, and I could see just a little bit of his nose. So I leaned a couple of inches to the right and was very disappointed to find out it wasn't my bear. It was a smaller bear, considerably smaller bear. So this smaller bear walks out in front of Robin. It spends a little time in front of her eating. And then an ATV comes driving by not too far away and spooks the bear off. And she thinks, well, that's it. Her night's over. The ATV goes by, but I can still see him off and on. He came back up onto the scooter trail, and he walked into a bunch of raspberry bushes, which were very thick. And he started stumbling a lot. And I was really surprised when he walked out of the raspberries and I could get a good look at him. I realized he was wounded. He was either not walking on his left front paw at all, or it barely touched the ground. Bears are omnivores. They're constantly roaming the woods for prey or for food that they can forage. If a bear becomes seriously injured, suddenly surviving in the wild becomes that much harder. It, his life was pretty dismal, and his chances of making it through the winter, I, I don't believe he would have. I think he had zero chance of making it through winter. That's when I knew the 400-pound bear wasn't my bear anymore. This was my bear. Because I couldn't leave a, a wounded bear, even though he was a lot smaller, and take a healthy bear. Uh, it just didn't seem to be the right thing for me to do. I moved over to the right to get a better look at him again, and he heard me and looked in my direction. So I froze, didn't move an inch, uh, and he it seemed like he looked at me forever. As soon as he stood up, I was ready. Um, I didn't know how long he was going to stay, so as soon as he gave me a good shot, I pulled the trigger. Oh, well, I didn't make the perfect clean kill shot. He didn't drop right there. Um, he rolled over backwards and went dang down the bank, which is only, it, it's a small incline. I knew I'd made 
a decent shot and I knew he was going to die, but at the same time I was a little panicked because the bear was wounded to begin with and now I've shot it but I've not killed it instantly. And I listened and I could hear it go down. I listened and it was quiet for a minute and then the bear got up. And I was a little, yeah, I was a little worried. Um, I texted my husband, who was nowhere near at the time that I shot the bear, to say, I have a bear down, but it's not dead. I'm fine. Everything will be fine. It just needs a few minutes to die. But then it got up and it moved, and my next text to him was, get help. <laughs> oh, man. By the time we started looking for the bear, we had two other people helping us. It was pitch black, and there wasn't even a moon. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm sick to my stomach because I don't now know whether the bear is dead or alive. I've caused this animal more pain. And not only am I now out there in the dark hunting for a wounded bear, but so is my husband and two of our friends. And I have that responsibility on my mind, too. We looked for hours and couldn't find him. So you're looking for a black bear in complete darkness. So after a few hours, we had to call it. And I had to walk away knowing that my bear was there and I was leaving it. And it's, it's a really sick feeling. It, it made for a very long night. It was a long night wondering, um, dead or alive, is he still suffering? And uh, I just kept saying to myself, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Steve had to go to work in the morning. His friends who had been helping us had things they had to do. And I didn't want to leave there out there either suffering or dead and the meat spoiling. So I went back the next morning by myself. Every hunt brings on a wide array of emotions. Happiness, expectation, frustration, and even guilt. And that drives the hunter forward to make sure that he can find and recover his animal at any cost. Thought it through, what do I know? Well, I know I shot him here, and he went here, and then he followed this trail, and I know there's a stream, and I know that I didn't hear him cross the stream. And when I realized that, I could pretty much pinpoint where I thought he was. So I walked to the stream, and I'd stop every 10 or 15 feet, depending on the terrain, and look under blowdowns, in the bushes, and I have a loaded rifle, and I'm poking around in the bushes thinking, please don't kill me. <laughs> I'm walking backwards and I'm looking because when you look from a different perspective, you see things you didn't see the first time. And it popped into my mind, turn around. So I turned around and I stood there for a minute looking and then there he was. It was where I'd last heard him move and he'd been dead all night. Every animal is going to die. There's nothing that you or I can do to change that. We do have a decision to make though. 
And that's what kind of life are the animals around us going to lead? If we buy factory farm meat, if we go to the supermarket and purchase the cheapest chicken on the shelf, we're making a decision. We're essentially deciding for all those animals to be raised in awful conditions, lead a pretty sad life, and then be killed. If we become a homesteader who raises their own meat, or a farmer, or a hunter who goes out and gets meat from the wild, we're also faced with decisions. But those decisions of death, and most importantly of life, are not always easy ones to make. I had to make a decision, but at the same time, it was pretty much made for me. I didn't feel like I had a choice. It's never the right thing to let an animal continue to suffer if you can do something better for it. We think he'd been hit by a car. There were bone fragments coming out the front of his leg. So it wasn't just his left leg. It was the right leg, too. So, you know, he'd, he'd had a hard life. And it was instantly disappointing because I knew my bear had already been there, the big bear. It had been there once, it ate all the food. I was pretty sure it was going to come back, um, but it didn't matter. It, it just didn't matter. Um, even if I don't ever get him, I have no regrets about making the choice that I did. That It was the right thing. So all of us have a decision to make. Maybe you haven't been inspired to become a hunter, and that's okay. Not everyone has to be a hunter or a homesteader who raises meat for their family. But you do have a decision. First, you need to decide whether or not you are going to eat meat and thus support the killing of animals. And if the answer to that is yes, whether you do it yourself or you find a small local farm or you decide to purchase from the supermarket, make sure the decision you make is one you can feel good about. You can feel the same way Robin did. I have no regrets about making the choice that I did. That it was the right thing. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com For all those of you who are wondering at the end of this story, how does bear meat taste? Would you like it? Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Not as much as I would have liked, but it, it's good. It, it's really good. But bear is definitely one of my favorites. So there you have it. Bear meat is delicious. I've actually tried it myself. And Robin was kind enough to share a recipe with us. If you head on back to thisishomesteady.com, Click on this episode. On the blog post for this episode, you'll find a recipe for bear chops. 
Thanks to Robin for sharing that recipe and, of course, for sharing this story with us. You can follow all of Robin's stories of wildlife, homesteading, hunting. I know you'll enjoy it over at robinfollette.com. I hope you guys were inspired by Robin's story. Here's someone who didn't learn to hunt, didn't grow up hunting, and now she's helping provide her family's meat from the deep, dark woods of Maine. I thought it was an awesome story. Have you ever considered hunting before? As you can hear from Robin's story, it took her years to get her first successful harvest. It is hard to do, but it's not impossible. And if you have some help, it speeds up the process. That's why we designed the Wild Harvest course over at thisishomesteady.com. This course teaches you everything you need to know for hunting. From the very beginning, what equipment to buy, how to practice, how to shoot, where to scout for animals. If you want to learn to hunt this year, head on over to thisishomesteady.com, click on this episode, and you'll find a link to the Wild Harvest course. Uh, We've changed the course up a bit. It is now an on-demand class. You can take it at your own pace whenever you want, and it is on sale right now for only $19.99. So for under 20 bucks, you can learn everything you need to know. All the lessons are video lessons, everything from scouting to shooting and tracking. We have videos showing you how to track game. We actually filmed this video while tracking animals ourselves. And we have a video series on how to butcher your own deer. So if you wind up being successful, you'll be able to process it completely yourself. We even teach you how to cook it. Head on over to thisishomesteady.com and check out the Wild Harvest course. It's only 20 bucks. And now it is time for a giveaway. We talked about this month, we are giving away a membership to Grow Journey, a three-month membership. You're going to get seeds in the mail for three months. There were two ways to win this membership. First, to share our podcast with the hashtag IamHomesteady. And the other way you could win it is by becoming a pioneer and supporting the show. As you guys know, the Homesteady Pioneers have additional podcasts, bonus episodes that come out each month for them, as well as a weekly instructional video. The Pioneers Library is loaded with hours and hours of extra homesteady. If you have already binged all of our previous episodes and now you're feeling like you don't have anywhere to go, your podcast player is sitting empty, become a pioneer, and you'll be able to listen to hours more episodes and watch hours more videos. Just like Jared. Hi, Homesteady Pioneer here. With my pup Cole, we're out in the woods hunting mushrooms. Season's pretty well done here in southwest Pennsylvania. But you still come across some good oysters and even maybe some velvet foot mushrooms if you're lucky. Those are some of my favorites. I actually just came across some oysters right here. Lucky me. My name's Jared. I'm home study. I keep hinting to Jared that I want him to take me mushroom hunting. (laughs) 
Jared is a homesteady pioneer. He also took the wild harvest course this year and was successful. He got his first deer. So special congratulations to Jared. Now let's talk about our giveaway. The winner for this week's Grow Journey giveaway is, drumroll please, Instagram user Absolutely Laura. She writes, trying to start our own little backyard homestead, loving our little chickies. We're learning so much from listening to podcasts by Homesteady. Hashtag I am Homesteady. So absolutely, Laura, go ahead and contact me at austinthisishomesteady.com. With your address, we'll forward that on to Grow Journey, and you guys will be getting three months of seeds in your mail. I know you're going to love that. Good way to start the year. So, take a minute now, head on over to thisishomesteady.com. If you want to learn to hunt, purchase the Wild Harvest course. And if you want to help us reach our goal of 50 new pioneers this month, become a pioneer. If we reach 50 pioneers this month, we're going to do a special bonus episode at the end of the month. It will be a live Q&A with me and Accountant Mike. You can join us live for that episode and ask us through the chat box or with your own voice over the phone. Ask us questions. We'll answer your questions in a special fun episode. All the pioneers will be invited to that, and everyone will get to enjoy listening to it uh, as when we broadcast that. We are, sad to say, currently behind our goal. We have raised, there have been lots of new pioneers this month, but we have more than halfway to go to reach 50. So please head on over to thisishomesteady.com. Either become a pioneer or purchase the Wild Harvest course. You know what? We'll consider that the same thing this month. So we're going to add that in. So go and do one of those two things. And if we can get 50 people this month to either become a pioneer or take that Wild Harvest course, we'll have that special episode. Thanks so much for your support, guys. There will be one more episode next week. Remember, until then, the road is rocky. Make home steady.